Aloha, you are listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Today, I am joined by longtime guest John Hollinger of The Athletic. Joining me from Chicago at the NBA Draft Combine, John, thanks so much for taking the time to come and talk about NBA Draft Lottery, uh, which just happened on Tuesday, and the Draft Combine that's going on through the end of the week. Aloha, Chad. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, uh, as always, I appreciate this and also the perspective that you bring. Uh, Not only are you a former exec who have been through many of these combines and and sat through many lotteries over over the years, but- Only two uh, lotteries, thankfully. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but also that you've, you, you have this perspective as well, which I think is unique. He, uh, John just released his top 20 guys. He cheated and got, I think, up to 23 uh, <laughs> on The Athletics. So you can go over there and check out uh, John's board. And John, you, you only pick 20 guys because typically in a draft, that's about as many players that actually become productive players in the league as you're going to get. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's that's why I do that. And it's a it's a thing I had always tried to do going back to my, you know, really when I got to Memphis is if I kind of disciplined myself and, and asked myself, is this guy one of the 20 or not? I felt like I ended up in a good place uh, when I was trying to really uh, evaluate, you know, the board and where where guys slotted in. So I'm, I'm trying to do top 80. And so what John is essentially saying is 60 of those guys I'm wasting my time on uh, every, every year. And, and it, it feels like that when I'm putting putting the board together. Well, it's, it's funny, though, because we're all looking at the same 80 guys, basically, right? And But trying to separate which of those 80 are the 20 is, is the real challenge. All right, well, let's start with the draft lottery. It went on Tuesday night. The Detroit Pistons win the draft lottery. First time ever uh, for them winning the draft lottery. A really great outcome for a team that's in a, in a full-on rebuild right now. Let's just start with the Pistons. Do you take Cade Cunningham, number one, or do you pivot to Evan Mobley? Uh, I know that they've liked Jalen Green and, and we're eyeing him as well. I don't think you're quite as high on him. Is Cade Cunningham the guy in Detroit? So... D- to me, Cade Cunningham is is the guy in the best fit. Um, I, I think he has probably the highest floor of anyone in the draft. Um, doesn't necessarily have the highest ceiling, and I think that's one of the things that maybe has Detroit looking at Jalen Green is that does he have a better chance of turning into that high-level guy who can carry a team by, by himself? I mean, that, that Jalen Green chatter is real. Uh, so I, I do think that's going to be something that Detroit considers. And and maybe this is a, a case where you move back one or two spots in the draft, maybe to Cleveland at three and, and feel confident uh, that he might be there, though, you know, we'll talk about the Rockets in a second. Yeah. How does Cade Cunningham fit with this roster? They had three first-round picks last year, Killian Hayes, uh, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart. Uh, They've got Jeremy Grant uh, in this roster, who was probably their best player. Well, for sure was their best player last year. How does Cade Cunningham fit this roster? To me, when you're rebuilding, fit almost doesn't matter because your team is bad enough that whoever – whoever is or whatever that team that becomes good four or five years down the road is 
probably only two or three of these guys are going to be are going to be there by but by the time they get to that point. Now you you look and you say, well, we already have two big wings with Sadiq Bay and Jeremy Grant, but I don't think getting Cage takes you away from that. In fact, you you know you watch these playoffs, teams are trying to put five, six, seven guys on the floor at the same time. Like I think having Cunningham, Bay, Grant at two, three, four—that's really good. Uh, you worry a little about the fit with Hayes, I guess, if you're Detroit, from the perspective of Cade. Uh, is a guy who plays with the ball in his hands, and so is Hayes. And Hayes needs to shoot better to have any effectiveness off the ball. And then I think the one of the reasons I think Detroit has a little bit of misgiving uh, about. Cade versus Green and Green's like superior athleticism is that they took Hayes last year, who was kind of this guy who struggles to get by people and, you know, more of a skill guy, but uh, was athletically maybe not super. And I think Cade is from that same kind of profile where you watch, he struggles to get by people and switches a lot and and doesn't have that like freakish athleticism. So you, Sadiq Bay, Sadiq Bay is not a great athlete. Yeah, that, no, that's a great point. They made a great pick with him. So uh, yeah, you can turn it that way too. But I, I, I mean, I, I, I think Cade is still the better pick, but with without a doubt. But th- there's a part of me that understands why they're kicking the tires on Green. Let's just do one more thing with Kid Cunningham because there's this sort of consensus that he's the guy. And when, when there's a consensus he's the guy, people get pretty touchy about talking about the warts. Yeah. And there's some significant warts in Cade Cunningham. The turnover rate yeah. uh, was was incredibly high. Uh, as you said, he's he's not a great, great athlete. And though he shot the ball incredibly well at Oklahoma State last year, that was a, a little bit of a surprise for scouts that followed him in in high school that that he shot it as well that he as, as he did and i think some scouts wonder did he just have a really great year shooting the basketball oh. is it going to sort of regress sort of back to um, what he did in high school or is this just part of his game that he really improved are, are any of those uh, you've got him number one on your board any if if there's something that sinks him as a player uh to not being worthy of the number one pick i think we all feel like kate cunningham's going to be in the league a really really long time yeah. uh but if there's if there's something that says okay he probably should have been like you know fifth instead of first is it is it going to be the fact that maybe he's not the primary lead ball yeah handler? i think, is that I think that's what it is you know the question about him is he really a lead distributor or not um you know i i didn't think the passing was particularly mind-blowing uh the turnover rate was high the handle could get loose especially on his left hand uh and he you know you could see against switches even against college bigs he had a lot of trouble getting by people now he's big enough that he can just shoot over the top of people too so you can see a lot of outcomes where he turns into like Chris Middleton or Jason Tatum or somebody like that, but he's not like, he's not like this Luca level playmaker though. So uh, that, that to me is, is more the, the, the the thing you ask yourself is, is he actually going to be the number two guy on a good team rather than the number one guy, which I mean, getting a guy who's good enough to be the number two guy on a good team is actually really hard. And so Cage should definitely be one of the top picks but I can see how when you're picking number one, you're really hoping you can land on a franchise player. I just don't know if he's quite that. I don't know if this draft has that, to be honest, but I don't know if Cade is quite that. 
All right, let's talk about the Houston Rockets. They get the number two pick in the draft, dodge a huge bullet. If they had dropped out of the top four, they would have had to send this pick to Oklahoma City. Major, major win for them because they're in massive rebuilding mode uh, right now. If Assuming Cade Cunningham is off the board uh, at one, do they go Evan Mobley here? Jalen Green, who who would you select for them at number two? I would look. I would get uh, Mobley. I I think he's the best uh, player after after Cade in in this draft. Uh, shades of Chris Bosh or Pau Gasol, skinny frame, not a great rebounder, uh, but very good putting the ball on the floor and attacking. Uh, I think his shot is going to project where he didn't shoot a lot of threes at USC because they didn't need him to do that. Um, and then an NBA caliber defender in terms of being able to move his feet on the perimeter, contest shots, uh, do, do all those things that we ask NBA bigs to do now. Uh, you wish he did a little more of the stuff that N- most NBA bigs can do. He was not a dominant rebounder. He was not a great post-up player. Uh, he was not an amazing shot blocker. He was good, but he wasn't off the charts. And so... I also like, though, the idea of putting Mobley next to Christian Wood. I think the two of them can play together and cause a lot of problems uh, for opposing teams. So I I think that's a really interesting front court where you can stay big and still have the benefits of kind of being small and fast. Yeah, I I like Evan Mobley here as well. I have him mocked there. There is some talk that Jalen Green uh, might move into this spot as well. Houston's looking at them. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I've been saying, uh, to, you know, correct me if you think I'm wrong, I don't think the gap between Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley is nearly as big a- a- as a- as people think it is. If, if Detroit took... I don't think it is. No, I don't think it is at all. I went back and forth on my number one spot on, on, on my draft board. If Detroit took Evan Mobley number one, uh, I, that, that, that wouldn't bother me uh, at, at all. He, he's bigger. Uh, he's. I think he's a better athlete than Cade Cunningham is. Uh, I think de- defensively he's he's already better. Uh, offensively he's not, but he actually shows all the potential to be there. And I almost wonder, given the way he plays and his body type, is it possible that maybe we're not projecting Mobley correctly as a big, and that he's going to be a you know supersized wing at the next level? He almost plays like that yeah, offensively. He does. Doesn't he? That's that's a really interesting question. I I haven't thought about that. You're right. You could almost like play him as like a three four maybe. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, when I when I've been going back and watching tape, I'm like, why not? I mean, you know, he can catch the ball at the top of the key. He can create for himself off the dribble. Uh, you know, he's not an elite three point shooter by any means yet, but I, like I think that the shot projects. Um, he's he's a good enough athlete. Uh, I think to to certainly guard threes uh, at the next level yeah. at the NBA. Uh, it's just a, just an interesting thought in a league that is increasingly becoming positionless and that, yeah. that you might even be able to throw him out there and, and think of him that way. So I, I think to me, this is the pick for Houston. I think this is the way that they should go. I mean, I won't I won't knock him too much if they take Jalen Green here, but I like him here. So let's let's go to three. Uh, now we've got Cleveland. Uh, on the board, they've invested heavily in the lottery on guards and then Isaac Okoro at the wing. Uh, They've got Jared Allen uh, up front. You know, Evan Mobley seems like he would be the the ideal fit for this team if he was on the board. And I guess there's a chance that he isn't there. Who do you select for Cleveland, assuming Cunningham and Mobley are off the board? See, I love Scotty Barnes for Cleveland. I, th- I think he is perfect there. 
You know, he's like a, a three, four, but can handle the ball some. Uh, not a great shooter, which I guess you little worry a little about because they don't have that much shooting overall. But man, I mean, positionally, like they still have the two guards that they kind of want to keep investing in, and they have a bunch of fives, but the 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 four and like the big wing situation there is not great. And uh, so I, I like his fit there. And I think Scotty Barnes is really good and has been undervalued through this whole process. Uh, good athlete, great size, amazing motor on defense, uh, can, can put it on the floor, make passes, get to the rim. The shooting isn't there yet, but uh, you think a little bit like based on the background on him too, that you know he'll he'll put in the work to 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 try to get that shot to the level it needs to get to and and that's really the only black mark against him is that shot and interestingly he was a better shooter than Cade Cunningham in high school and so Barnes Barnes went down his freshman year at Florida State Cunningham went up uh, I know that there's some scouts that have watched him in high school that actually think he's better than he showed at Florida State he was in sort of a unique situation there. Uh, yeah. you, you and I right now are probably, and then David Thorpe, uh, are driving the Scotty Barnes train. <laughs> Thorpe is on a completely another, another level from us. Yeah. 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 Th- Thorpe, Thorpe is comparing him to magic Johnson, which, uh, which yeah. might be a little, might, might be a little hyperbole there, but you know, a couple of things about Scotty Barnes. I mean, he, his measurements is seven, three wingspan, uh, you know, six, eight, uh, measured a 39 and a half inch vert at, at the combine, 36 inch standing vert, which is actually excellent. Uh, he's great. He's a good athlete. He's got incredible size. I think he's a point guard. I mean, you know, at, at his size, you're going to play him point forward, but he, he makes really good decisions with the basketball, much better than Cade Cunningham, in my uh, opinion, uh, which is, which, you know, which is interesting. So the shooting, let's talk about the shooting for a minute and how big a deal it is. We just watched Ben Simmons. Uh, you know, fall apart in the playoffs because he can't shoot. Yeah. Everybody is trying to burn Ben Simmons to the ground right now. He shouldn't have been the number one pick, which I don't think the numbers uh, <laughs> agree. Um, you know, with that, how big a deal is it in in the modern NBA if he if his jump shot doesn't come along? Uh, if if I'm not saying he's going to be Ben Simmons bad, but uh, if he's yeah. if he's if if he's a non shooter. It still matters, but I think it matters less for a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands a lot that, than it would if he was just being asked to space the floor for other people. Um, you know, he's interesting, though, because he's such a chameleon uh, positionally that you say, okay, well, I don't, I don't like having my perimeter guys who can't shoot, but, like, you can play Scotty Barnes at five, you know? Like, he's he has so many different ways his career can go to be – a, a good player. I mean, and it's such a rare thing when you get somebody like this, who's like a point center. I mean, the, the guy I compare him to a little is the guy we had in Memphis, Kyle Anderson, but much better Scotty athlete. Barnes is like a way more, way more athletic version of that. Right. He's, he's re- regular mode instead of slow mo. I think if Oklahoma city had had the third pick, this is who they would have taken. Uh, I think that they are, really upset that they slid to six because uh, I'm not maybe Barnes may be there, but I, I think a lot more teams are thinking like you and I are thinking right now about Barnes, you know, that we talked about the five and, and he wasn't in that. Now I think it's the six or maybe Kaminga's fallen out of, out of the five, yeah. uh, you know, a little bit depending on, you know, who you talk to. 
Uh, it's an interesting fit in Cleveland. I like it there. I think Jalen Green's a real possibility there. That's that's who I have on my mock right now. I do think Scotty Barnes uh, is in the mix there. The one interesting thing, if it's Green, I'm not sure there's enough basketballs in that backcourt for Colin Sexton uh, and, and, and Jalen Green. But, uh, but I could see the Cavs deciding to move on from Colin Sexton. He had a great year uh, for them. Yeah. But he, he, he doesn't have the upside of Jalen Green and maybe putting Garland and you know Green together in the backcourt is just a better overall fit and you get something else uh, for Sexton or maybe it's it's packaging Sexton or, or Coro or somewhere else to move up to one I also think Kate Cunningham would be a nice fit uh, in Cleveland as, uh, as well oh he would have been yeah he would have been a perfect fit there and, yeah. and so there's some motivation I think from Cleveland if they want to move up I know uh, Woj talked about them trading out of the draft but they're high enough up now in the draft that I to, to me I don't think they're ready to just add a veteran or two and then say okay you know they, they're a you know, 500 team if they do yeah. that. All in for the play-in game. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it doesn't make yeah. a lot of sense to me. I think you try to get an elite talent here because I don't I don't think that elite talent sits on your roster right now. All right, Toronto Raptors move up three spots <clears throat> in the draft to, to four. Uh, let's, let's, I'll give you either, uh, I, I, I'm assuming Scotty Barnes would be your guy then if he was still there at four. If he was still there, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, and he's a Maasai player all the way, and and I think that that's part of it. But assuming he's not there, then then who do you take it for? Do you go ahead and go Jalen Suggs and sort of project out that Kyle Lowry may not be there anymore? Do you go Jalen Green? Who do you like it for? Do you think they have the balls to take my guy at four? Who's your guy? Alperin Shengun. Uh, Masai does. I mean, I mean, if you want to talk about a GM Raptors who has the balls, it's Masai. Big, right? <laughs> I mean, if anyone could do it, it's Masai, right? Because right? like he, I mean, once he signs his next contract, he's going to be like president for life there, right? So, um, you know, I don't think he has to worry about, oh, I'll, I'll get fired if this pick goes wrong. So the, the Raptors do need a center. Uh, I'm, I think I am much higher on this guy than the consensus. But he destroyed a good league as an 18-year-old. And I, I think there's a lot there to like. When you said your guy, I thought you were gonna say trade for trade trade this pick for Paul Reed. That's what I thought uh that's where I thought you were going with that. Maybe like Paul Reed and Dylan Brooks for the number four pick. Uh, let's uh I don't I don't think you do that for just the fourth pick, Chad. <laughs> Singoon. Uh, I, I, I'm still on the fence, John. I, I understand why the numbers suggest that there's no way this guy, or there's very little chance this guy fails in the NBA given what he's done. He's the Turkish League MVP at 18. But you're, there's a ton of projection going on uh, with this guy based off the way he played in Turkey and how he probably needs to play to excel and be worthy of a top four pick. Yeah, is that is that you're just projecting that it's going to happen? That he's going to be able to stretch the floor? That he's going to be athletic enough to to guard guys out on the perimeter? Uh, that he can be a little bit more of a playmaker than we saw, uh, you know, in Turkey? Is that is that just what you're projecting out with him? I mean, so I think his shot is totally fine, and he just hasn't been asked to shoot threes. Um, I I think he I to me his playmaking is pretty good actually. Like I, I think he can handle and pass much better than most picks. Um, the defensive question is definitely a question. And so the thing I sort of ask myself is like, to, to me, he reminds me some of Kevin Love, I guess. And, you know, can somebody, can somebody like that succeed in today's NBA? And if so, how? 
because um, he's a little bit between four and five. He's not a true rim protector. His feet on the perimeter are not great. So I think all those questions about his defensive fit are legitimate. Um, but again, he's 18, right? Like he's, this isn't a finished product either. It's a pretty high uh, compliment when you have uh, Singoon going ahead of Jalen Green now and, and Jalen, Jalen <laughs> Suggs and Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, it, yeah. Interesting. I'm not, I, I've, I've come around on him. I haven't come around that much uh, yet. So that, that, yeah. that'll, I'm, I'm still on an Island yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, I, I hadn't taken Scotty Barnes at four. I've had a lot of Raptors fans say that doesn't make sense. Where is he going to play? We have OG, we have uh, 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 Siakam, uh, what is he going to play? And I'm like, you know, look, I, I believe Scotty Barnes could be your point guard next year. And you yeah. could put him in the backport, uh, backcourt with Fred Van Vliet. And uh, he, makes, oh, he makes up for lots yeah. of weaknesses there. And if you're asking me right now who I'd rather have playing point guard, Scotty Barnes or Jalen Suggs, who I think is who a lot of Raptors fans think is the obvious selection there. And I like Jalen Suggs. I actually like him more than you do. Uh, okay. I still take Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that, that's, uh, that, that's some of the rationale behind Scotty Barnes. Look, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about some of the other lottery picks. Uh, we'll talk about Orlando. We'll talk about Golden State Warriors, uh, Oklahoma City. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand the warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for some parts from a chain store or car dealership? They have everything you need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. And we are back talking 2021 NBA Draft Lottery with the Athletics' John Hollinger. He just wrote his top 20 prospects, actually 23, over the at the Athletic right now. You definitely want to check out John, who always has a unique approach to the draft. Um, you can also go over to uh, my website and newsletter, nbabigboard.com. I just released Mock Draft 2.0 over there, and you can see uh, my analysis for all 30 picks uh, in the draft. We're going to keep talking about the lottery here. We talked about the first four picks uh, in the draft. Let's go to Orlando Magic. They're at five. Uh, they were obviously a bit disappointed that they, they fell out of what what the odds were would be a top three pick for them. You've got off the board right now, uh, you've got uh, Mobley off the board, Cunningham off the board. You've got Scotty Barnes off the board. You've got Alpern and Singoon off the board right now. So who do the Magic take at five? Well, let me ask you this. They are at five and eight. I think if they... If Jalen Green goes number one and you're Orlando, I think you have to try to trade up with Houston at two with five and eight and, and see if you can do that and grab Cade. 
I mean, Cade Cunningham is the perfect guy for Orlando, right? They just don't have high skill guys there. They have they they they've invested so much in you know guys with long arms and and defensive talent and whatnot, and and they'll have something there with like Fultz and Isaac back next year and a couple of these other guys, but they just need skill there so badly. Uh, so roundabout way of answering your question, like I think you have to try to move up if you can if you're Orlando and get in a position to grab Cade. Now, if you can't do that and you're still back here at five, I think, I think you probably, man, green or subs, it's tough. Um, you know, probably more green. You at least gives you that athletic upside again. Um, you know, I did re- rate green higher. I do think it's tough. We haven't seen an 18-year-old playing the G League for a full year like this, and I think calibrating what his season means for both him and Kaminga, I think it's a little bit of a tough exercise. Uh, so that that's that's one of the things I wonder about with with Green, and I was having a hard time when I was evaluating him. You know, it's interesting. A lot of scouts said the opposite to me, that they – they thought that the G League was much more apples to apples than college basketball was apples to apples because of the level of competition that they were playing at, playing at the sort of known quantities of, of the players they play at every night and the fact that they're running, for the most part, NBA sets uh, you know, all the time or playing like an NBA team. The interesting thing about uh, Green for me that got beyond was a conversation I had with Brian Shaw. We did a podcast together, and the way that he described Green's approach to the game, what was happening in practice, what was happening behind the scenes, uh, what's happening in coaching, the intelligence, the drive. Um, he starts sort of laying it out there as a as a guy who's coached in the NBA and played in the NBA, that, that Green has this rare, and I know you hate these terms, but it factor, but there's something about his approach to the game uh, that Brian Shaw just was in love with. And it was really interesting, you know, He's going to come on and he's going to talk highly about all of his players. But there was a completely different level of how he was talking about Green than when you listen to his sort of breakdown of Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, that that right. was was really, really clear to me who who he was going to battle for and in a big, right. big way, um, like a big, big gap difference. And, and I think that's really interesting. I do think the magic would take him if he's there. I think the one question that scouts are a little disappointed on was that he didn't measure in the combine. I think there's some people that feel like he might be on the small end. I think he's listed at six, five. I think there's folks that think that that's, that's not particularly yeah, accurate. Might, might, might be more like six, four, right? Yeah. Um, I, I really like him here. I had Suggs here um, only because I had green going higher. Uh, I had him going three in my mock right now. And, and, and I, and I, and I know that given their backcourt, none of which have great shooting, uh, that maybe that's a little bit that's that's a little bit questionable. But I, I just I just think he was sort of the best prospect that was left on the board for me here. For so I, I get why Orlando moves up. I don't see Detroit doing five and eight for one. I I, I can't I, I can't imagine that. doing I that. that. I don't think you can get all the way to one. So the only no. way they get to Cunningham is somehow if he slides to two, which. I mean, I, I, I feel like if Detroit's going to take Jalen Green at one, they move back a spot or two and get something else. Uh, that, you know, so 
the fault they they're doing the faults Tatum. Yeah, that, exactly. That yeah. that's that's how it feels yeah. to me right now. So th- that may be tough. Orlando just might not be in a great position here because Kaminga is is a guy that Jeff Weltman and John Hammond would historically draft. By the way, like he's yeah. he he sort of fits yeah. the mold of of the type yeah. of guy they would draft. I just don't think they need another guy like that right now. So that that will be yeah, totally. that that'll be interesting. Let's go to Oklahoma City then at six. Uh, I think I think if Scotty Barnes is there, this is a no-brainer for them. They also have two picks, 16 and 18. Um, do you yep. package those picks with six? Does that get you up higher uh, in the draft, maybe at least into the Scotty Barnes uh, territory of three and four? Is a, a sort of interesting question. I think I think you have to, I think you have to try if you're OKC because you have so many of these picks, you can't possibly use them all on players and roster them all. So I think what you want to do is. Uh, assemble picks in any given draft and try to move up each, basically each year. I mean, they have, they have multiple firsts and basically every draft going out to 27. Right. So basically this should be their annual strategy of like, how do we get as far up in the draft as possible to, instead of taking, you know, three red trips in the, in the twenties, how do we get the one blue chip toward the top? Uh, it's so unfortunate. They could have ended up one and five out of the lottery and ended up, and with six. Ended up six and 18. Yeah. <laughs> like what a bummer for them. Huh? Yeah. Because they, uh, they, so, they uh, obviously they have shy, but other than that, it's not clear that anybody else on this roster is, is a, is a huge building block for them. I mean, I know everybody's obsessed with Poku and I'm obsessed with him. I, I still don't know what he is or what he's going to become, yeah. but we're not putting him in the category yet of, you know, this is a major building block for them. Uh, so, okay. So we, we, we think moving up, by the way, they have a ton of future picks as well. I mean, there's multiple ways for them to get up um, in this draft. They also have a ton of young players and, you know, maybe Dort or, um, you know, Poku or someone else, you know, is, is attractive Maladon or someone's attractive enough to get them uh, up a few spots, but assuming they're picking at six, who's your guy? Well, this this is um, it's interesting because Jalen Suggs is the number six guy on my board, but you know you have Shea there already. I mean Shea's Shea's kind of a guy who can play off the ball too. He's shown that, and I think Suggs a little bit might benefit from playing some off the ball. So you could probably could play those two guys together, but it's it feels a little suboptimal. Uh, it's a really interesting spot they they've ended up in, right? Uh, because I, I just, I think there's a tier after this too, where after subs, like you're, you're getting into guys who, who I don't think are as good. So I, I think you probably just take subs and try to, you know, make that work and see how, how that works and how that plays out with him and him and Shay. I mean, you're so early in this process that you still have a lot of optionality going forward with trades and whatnot. I, I had them taking Jonathan Kaminga. I'm here uh, again, suboptimal for them in a certain way. Another incredibly raw prospect. Uh, the Thunder are never shy uh, about about taking guys yeah. like that and developing. No, he's he's definitely the Thunder type of guy in, in terms of you know they 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 they're all about the raw, and he helps them in some ways because he'll probably be bad as a rookie and then not help them win games, or like Poku help them lose games, <laughs> and so. And so that helps their draft pick next year too. So you can see a logic in that. Yeah, it, it seems to me that if they're stuck here, they swing for the fences. And Kaminga's a swing, and and you know what what yeah. he becomes. But 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 he's he's a he's a reasonable swing um, here here yeah. for me. 
The other guy that I would put, which you already have off your board, uh, but it's very plausible that he could be there is having Singoon. Uh, they just traded away uh, Moses Brown. Uh, this could be, uh, you know, their, yeah. their, their center of the future. And, uh, yeah. and again, Oklahoma City has a long track record of liking international players, uh, scouting them heavily. Uh, Singun seems like a very that's who I went back and forth on um, just based off of how mm -hmm. my mock was was playing out with Singun and um, and uh, and Kaminga. Do you, do you like Singun there? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think I think he you know that'd be a good place for him to end up because he'll he'll get to play, he'll get to develop, and he won't quite have the pressure to be uh, good defensively right away because they'll you know they'll be getting their butts kicked anyway, but. I think that's a good situation for him. Let's talk Golden State. They get this pick from Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota had, I think, a 27.9% chance of keeping this pick. So the odds weren't really in their yeah. favor. They went on a huge run at the end of the season, basically played 500 basketball and kind of knocked, destroyed their their chances. Uh, a bit of a disaster for Minnesota. If they, if they had had this pick now, I would have liked it a lot better than going from, you know, uh, seven to nothing. Uh yeah. Good for Golden State. After the James Wiseman experiment last year and an understanding, I think now, maybe Golden State wasn't quite prepared for just how big a learning curve this was going to be. And maybe maybe that's particular to Wiseman. But, you know, whenever you're trying to put a rookie onto a team that's trying to be a playoff team, there's there's some real challenges. As you've pointed out many times, rookies typically don't help you win basketball games, even if they're good yeah. rookies. Do they at this point go with someone like Davian Mitchell, who I think a lot of people have slotted here? I know you have him much lower on your board, but you know, yeah. someone who comes in and plays right away and can help them, or Corey Kispert, or someone like that, yeah. or is the strategy here you just take the best young player available and and just don't worry about them helping you and find other ways to help yourself on your playoff run next year? I I don't think they're gonna be the team picking at seven. I think they're going to, they're going to try to trade uh, seven, you know, Wiseman and like a couple contracts, like Lo maybe Looney and somebody else and get another player who can help them this year. Uh, I, to, to me, that's the clear direction for them that they're going to be all in on trying to maximize whatever's left of the splash brother era. And I think, I think they realize that they, reached a little with Wiseman and, you know, the lure of like, well, we need a center, look, a center and, and, uh, and trying to solve a need that way. wasn't the right way to do it. I wouldn't be shocked if they took, if they used the pick at 14, but I, I think this pick at seven is trade bait all the way. Um, what, what do you think the best they, they could get of a combination of seven Wiseman Looney, like, what what caliber prospect do you think that's sort of out there and potentially tradable do you get with a pick like that? I I mean, I think th the hard part is figuring out who is truly available uh, that can help them next year, especially you know between either like true fives or or wing wing talent. Um, and you, you got to go around a little bit to some of these teams that are rebuilding and 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 retrenching. Like I, I don't know. Like for a random example, like I would not trade the seventh pick in the draft for Terrence Ross, right? Like you need like you need to do better than that, right? Like, uh, but you know, could 
if CJ McCollum became available, you know, could you do something with that? It's a big number for them. And so there's complications, but I'm, um, th this is me more speculating on the, the types of, uh, names who you might want to go after. Could you get G Jeremy Grant out of Detroit? Interesting. That would definitely be an interesting pick for them. Let me throw a crazy one out there. Is there any, any scenario where they go after Ben Simmons and play him at the five? Wow. I just don't know if you can play Ben Simmons and Draymond Green at the same time. That's the problem. There's just, there's just too much non-shooting then. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't think he's the one. Um, that's it. That's interesting though. I mean, if I'm going to say it, I definitely have a meeting about that idea, but I think at the end of the day, I don't do it. All right. Let's just force your hand though. They, they, they end up Terrence Ross is the best offer they get. They did try, they decide to keep the pick <laughs> at seven. Uh, you, you want, I'd be given their time horizon. I'd be really tempted to take Corey Kispert because I think he's the guy who would help them the most this year. Uh, but the, I mean, the best prospect there, I really like Franz Wagner. I, I, I think, I think he is a good player, um, and can be like a good starting caliber three, four for a long time. I don't think he's a star at all, but I think he could come in and play right away, which you like if you're golden state, uh, he's, he can play across multiple positions, which you like and multiple positions where the warriors aren't good right yeah, and now. He defends so, um, so he can earn some minutes on the floor yeah. because he, he can defend. Yeah, exactly. And then he's a good open shooter, which is kind of what you need. So I think he checks a lot of boxes for them. That's interesting. Let's let's talk about your reluctance with Davian Mitchell here, because I'm not sure we're going to get him. I think he ended up like 16 or 18 on. Uh, I Yeah, I slotted him around a few times. I don't remember where I ended up on him. I think I had him 16 at the end of the day. Uh, almost uh, almost everybody else has him higher. Uh, what, yeah. what are your concerns? Uh, I'm just worried. I just don't know how good he's going to be offensively. And I think for guards, especially in this league at the end of the day, that's really what they get evaluated on. I mean, his ball pressure and intensity at the defensive end, right? You're, you're like salivating when you see it, right? But he's he's uh, he's undersized. I think his shooting numbers this year are probably an outlier from three. Uh, very good straight line driver, uh, but I did I didn't see like a lot of I don't know high, kind of high level stuff with the ball. Like Jared Butler to me is more like the guy who had like the really butter smooth handle. And, uh, honestly, Butler had the bigger offensive role too. Uh, so while I saw a lot of growth from Mitchell this year, which was really impressive. And even over the course of the year, you would see him do things and you say, wow, he didn't do that before. Uh, you know, he's an older prospect too, which you, uh, historically, you know, take, taking the 22 year old in the lottery has not been a great bet. So you hold that against him a little bit too. So overall, I just, I just wonder about, he's going to be something in the league. Don't get me wrong. I just, I just don't know if he's going to have enough offense to be like a true starter at the, in the backcourt. Um, one of the comps that I've heard, and I'm not going to say uh, Donovan Mitchell is Kyle Lowry uh, for him. Do you, do you see that at all? Um, I think Kyle Lowry, uh, that's an, that's an interesting one because he was kind of somebody who developed late as a shooter as well and had that same like bulldog intensity. Not the same size. The um, Kyle Lowry was a much more 
uh, impactful player across the box score, I guess. Like Damian Mitchell doesn't rebound at all. Um, doesn't get a huge number of steals, even with his his defense. Like Kyle Lowry was just all over the place in the box score, even when he couldn't shoot. Uh, so that's probably one of the differences I see. Uh, but that's yeah, that's an, that's an interesting one. All right, I, I've got I've got Mitchell there. I. Uh, John has uh, Franz Wagner there, uh, which which I which I like. I've got him going a couple slots later to to Sacramento. Um, let's just talk about one more guy. We got the Magic at eight. Maybe this is where they get Kaminga uh, for for you uh, if he's still on the board. Yeah. Um, yeah. I noticed he was eight on your board. Let's talk about Keon Johnson. Uh, that's who I have yeah. there. You have him. It's okay. another guy you have slotted a lot lower. He just shattered. <laughs> like I, 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 we published this before he, uh, he jumped at the uh, combine. I should note. <laughs> uh, he shattered the NBA combine max vertical jump record with a 48 inch vertical. That's, that's insane. That's four feet, uh, uh above the ground. Uh, there's video evidence of it out there and it's, 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 it's impressive when you watch it. Um, Kenny Gregory out of Kansas set that record, 20 years ago with a 45.5 inch vertical. I mean, so this isn't some sort of incremental um, leap. Yeah. This is incre- crazy. Uh, he, he's been, yeah. he's been working out in LA and, and, you know, Don McLean and others have been working him out of just been saying like, he's going to do it. He's going to shatter this. This is the craziest athlete we've ever seen. All of his mm-hmm. other athletic numbers knew good. We knew he was a great athlete. I've been saying all year, yeah. mea culpa, Greg Brown was the best athlete in this draft. And while he's one of the best I don't. I don't think I can make that argument anymore after seeing what Keon Johnson does. You having lower, I, I doubt for you a vertical jump at a combine is going to dramatically change your your board that much. Uh, so, what what's the issue here with Keon Johnson? I want to see some of this athleticism in the actual games. Like for 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 a great athlete, like he doesn't get to the rim, he doesn't rebound, he actually. You watch him; he actually struggles to finish. Um, so, like the the functional athleticism in the course of a game, I think is not always there. Um, the thing he's very good at is he can dribble into a pull up and just get to it and jump over everyone and get the shot off. Uh, but he doesn't shoot them that well. Uh, and you watch him even like the footwork and some of the, some of the other stuff, like he can't shoot a pull up going to his left at all. He literally can't do it. He has to stop and turn his body all the way back around to be going to the right. Um, get getting his feet, you know, going, going to the rim. Like he, he, I think he struggles getting his steps, right. He wants to take off two feet all the time. Uh, so the functional athleticism in the course of the game just isn't really there except when he just destroys somebody and YouTubes them on a dunk. But, but other than that, like you don't see it as consistently. Now you can argue that at this point in the draft, when you get past the top eight guys, like what the hell, like just take a freak athlete who's 19 years old and see what happens. And so I get that. I, I think at any point, you know, after seven, eight, I can understand why a team would take Keon Johnson. Um, and vertically, like st- you, you're talking, he did 40 on his max vertical, but he did 41, I think on the standing vertical, which is the one that correlates more with, with NBA production. And, uh, and that was either a record or right at the record too, I believe. I believe it was the record. And yeah. so, so that, that, that to me does get my attention. 
Uh, but you, you just you watch Tennessee games from this year and you're just like, where, OK, where is it? Yeah. Is some of this look one of the youngest prospects, one of the younger prospects in the draft, a, a little bit of a late bloomer, even sort of getting on the radar in high school doesn't really get thought about as a lottery prospect until, you know, till his senior year. Um, and a Tennessee team that brought him off the bench um, had a very specific role for him. This wasn't one of these one and done kids typically that, you know, they roll out the ball and run the offense around him. I think there's some arguments to be made about, you know, where all of that, you know, fits into this and whether, um, you know, it, it sort of reminds me, I think he was a better shooter coming out, but Terrence Ross, who was also sort of a big time athlete. And, you know, the questions yeah. about sort of how all of that sort of projected. Um, DeMar DeRozan is, is another one because, and you see the similarity in terms of getting to the pull up from the mid range yeah. so much. Yeah. And yeah, didn't have a great season at USC. Um, you know, just just interesting to sort of figure out where all of that fits in uh, with him. I I think he'll probably go top ten, John. That's my guess, just talking to to teams. But um, that's that's really interesting. So, all right, that's that's eight eight picks or so. We've talked about probably ten or so guys. Let's come back, and when we come back, we'll talk about uh, some early impressions from the draft combine, uh, some of the athletic testing measurements. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, Peter, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So there's something for everyone. My personal favorite, I love the salted caramel. I like the mint brownie. Man, the coconut, uh, that's, that's, that's probably my very favorite of all. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And we are back. And with the Athletics, John Hollinger, we're talking 2021 NBA Draft Lottery. We're going to pivot now to the Draft Combine. John's there in Chicago at the Combine. You can read John's stuff over at the Athletic, including his top 20 picks, uh, for top 20 favorite prospects in this draft. And knowing that it's John Hollinger, he throws a few curveballs in there. And uh, that's what we love about John. You can also go over to uh, my website, nbabigboard.com, read Mock Draft 2.0. Got a full mock draft there. Um, have stuff on the Combine uh, running every day. And uh, the, when we're recording this, the five-on-five five games are going to be starting uh, shortly. And, you know, that's where you see stuff, but also only a few, like, potential first-round picks even playing in that in that five-on-five five stuff. So let's talk first about the measurements. Uh, measurements come out. They're, how big a deal are they? I mean, you know, you're, you're in a front office uh, for years. How big a deal are these official measurements? Because we're all kind of eyeballing and spitballing until 
until these guys go get measured. And, and luckily, at least this year, most of the prospects actually got measured. Really only like four or five guys didn't get measured. How big a deal is this, first of all, uh, when you think about the measurements? So I think, I think you're looking at a couple of things. You're looking at what their no-shoes height is. So you can compare that uh, to other prospects over the years. Um, and you're looking at whether the guy has positional height uh, or, if, or if he's going to be short or, or, on the other hand, tall, which is a good thing for his position. You're looking at wingspan relative to no-shoes height because uh, you're trying to determine, you know, what, what the guy's arm length really is. Uh, you know, is he uh, – we, we always say in terms of plus or minus, if somebody is six, eight with a seven foot wingspan, they're a plus four, right? Cause their wingspan is four inches longer than their, than their no shoes height. Uh, so most players who make it in the NBA, like the, sort of the median average is about plus four. Um, so if somebody's like a plus six, you're like, Oh, okay. You know, seriously long arms. Uh, if somebody's like a zero or even a minus, like Dylan Brooks actually was a minus two. I think that's one of the reasons he fell so much in the draft. And you want to yeah. make sure you're not over. You want to make sure you're not over indexing on this, but it's it's definitely something we pay attention to. Um, the the no step vert uh, I think is something we pay attention to because that has some correlation. Uh, the sprint time for small guards actually is is a little bit useful to look at. Uh, some of the other stuff you don't pay that much attention to, like the shuttle is kind of interesting, but you can master that with technique. And some of the agents, I think have gotten smart enough to do that. And so it becomes less of a pure athleticism test at that point and be becomes more of something you can study for and kind of, you know, play, play to the, play to the game a little bit, but so probably don't use that as much. I'm bummed they got rid of the bench press because it was a great negative indicator. <laughs> yeah. Remember when everybody freaked out? Whoever that, did the most reps, just take them off your board. Remember also when people freaked out that I think Kevin Durant couldn't couldn't yeah. do one one. Yeah, did zero. Yeah, did, yeah. did a zero, and yeah. people freaked out about that. Yeah, yeah it certainly hindered yeah. Kevin Durant's career. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was it was negatively correlated with with pro performance, so it was useful, just not in the way people thought. Uh, Let's talk about a few uh, a few things then. So let's start with measurements. Players with the longest wingspan relative to their height, John just explained it. You take their no-shoes height, you look at their wingspan, and then you can do a plus or minus here. Moses Moody, plus 8.25. Uh, that's, yeah. that's crazy. His mom actually tweeted at me yesterday with a picture of that she took of Moses in the in the doorway of his of his of his uh, house touching the floor and touching the top of the door just um bent over and she said that was three years ago uh when he was wow. still in high school uh and she wow. says he, she calls him the human selfie stick um <laughs> does this help moses moody right he's not an elite athlete but he shoots the basketball we knew he was long i mean this is crazy crazy long he has a seven foot wingspan as a wing it, it helps. I think it helps him because you look at that and you say, okay, he can definitely play the three with that wingspan because he's not like this super dynamic ball handler. So I, I think that helps him because of that. Miles McBride uh, has a 7.75 plus. This was a guy that I think you had 17th on your board. I really like him. I, I still wonder if I put him too low. Um, and this must, this know, must help your, up. your thinking. Cause he is a little bit small on the smaller end, just on, on height, yeah. um, but incredible yeah. length. 
Yeah, which makes you think he can play some two, which I think is really, really helps him because he's a shooter, uh, but he's maybe not the purest of point guards. So you feel more confident that he can play both guard spots then. And yeah, I, I, I really like McBride though. I mean, you know, high, high school quarterback has that like football mentality a little bit and uh, really had a good year for West Virginia that went a little bit under the radar. He, he pulled out of the five on fives. Uh, I think he's, he's sensing now there was a question about whether he's going to be a first rounder or not. He ended up first round in my mock draft. There was a question if he was going to even stay in the draft, yeah, right? I, Which I, I mean, I think he's got to be staying he's in the in. draft at this point. Hey, I think he's in. Uh, I'm not sure that he goes as high as 17, but he might. Uh, he, he definitely seems to be a guy that that's gotten buzzy. He shoots the basketball well as well. And that's, uh, and obviously like most West Virginia guards really gets after it defensively. Uh, let's keep going. Scotty Barnes, uh, plus seven, almost plus eight inches as well. We knew that coming in. It's, I think, one of the things that's freaky about him and why he might go higher. Bones Highland, uh, plus seven. Uh, does this change anything about, about him? Because, you know, he's one of the more electric players, I think, in the draft to sort of watch play the game. Uh, v- very fun to watch. Uh, he didn't make your top 23. Yeah. I think he could sneak into the back end of the first round or we'll get picked in the thirties. If he doesn't, uh, he's, I mean, he's, he's an interesting player for sure. He's somebody, I think, you know, with the competition level in the a 10 and whatnot, I think people really want to go back and watch some of his, his film and, and figure out exactly where they stand on. And, him. and I know you're one who appreciates great names and great nicknames and, and always wants those and bones is, is right at the top there. I, I just, yeah, he's got to find a way. Bones has got to find a way to make it in the league. Yeah, I, I think so. He's he's definitely appropriately named. Eves Ponds, uh, undersized, strange pro- prospect, it, it measured as one of the best athletes in the draft, has a plus seven wingspan. Anything there? I, I just don't really think he can play. <laughs> I don't know what else to I don't know what else to say. Like he's it, yeah, he's 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 got a great body. He's at he's athletic, uh, but he has to play as like this really undersized five who isn't bringing any skill to the table. So there's a lot that needs to happen for him. I think uh, somebody will take a shot at him as a two way. I bet and see if they can develop that athleticism into something more. But I, I I don't really see him getting drafted very highly. Two other plus sixes, Herb Jones, who I think cracked you're not yeah. your top 20 but your top 23 number two number 23, 23. Yeah. i think he's like a shutdown corner in the tony allen mode i just don't know if he's going to do enough offensively but yeah i mean his size movement activity on defense can guard multiple positions uh so i think there's there's a lot to like at that end the offense is a real question with him though. utah jazz alert here uh given uh you know what they struggled with he seems like exactly the type of player <laughs> Uh, that Utah was missing in that Clippers series, uh, and I, I don't yeah. know that they the, the Jazz need need him to be an elite offensive player. They need a tough lockdown defender, and and Herb Jones not a bad passer. Um, actually, he's not a bad playmaker, yeah. uh, which is also something I think the Jazz lacked a little bit. Josh Christopher, who I think you liked earlier in the season, I saw he ultimately didn't make your your yeah. twenty three. Ends up with a plus six. You liked him a little bit earlier. Uh, why did he end up not making your your top twenty three? Some of his game tape was a little troubling, Chad. <laughs> do you want to do you want to uh, uh, give us uh, any insights into what you're talking about there? Dribble, dribble, cross over to left, pull up from seventeen, just over and over and over and over on loop. 
Um, on the on the on the T Rex side, uh, the guys with the small arms, Trey Mann, uh, not a great mm-hmm. athlete, measured shorter than we than a lot of people had hyped. He was six five out of Florida State, ends up measuring six three. Um, doesn't even have a plus one inch wingspan right now, and we know he's not a great athlete. He didn't make your top twenty three. Is 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 this some of the concern? He yeah. can really shoot the basketball. Uh, he's not a bad ball yeah. handler. Uh, is this is this the concern? Yeah, I mean he's going to get picked, but I to me he's the he's the type of guy who goes in the thirties and forties because uh, I you know there's just not a lot of upside here. Corey Kispert just the plus one inch. Probably not a big surprise there um, with him. Does that yeah. concern you at all? But that, no, it doesn't. And his athletic testing, I think, went a lot better than expected. He had a really good sprint time. He jumped 30 inches, no step. I mean, that that I think uh, was was better than people's priors on him. So I actually think he, if anything, helped himself in that portion and made people more comfortable with the idea of taking him in the lottery. All right. Two more measurements. Zaire Williams goes six, mm-hmm. eight on nearly six, 10 in shoes. Uh, that's, that's a big wing. Uh, he's skinny, yeah. also 188 pounds. Zaire Williams yeah. doesn't make it. I totally understand. I went back and watched a ton of his Stanford film, trying to, trying to find some way to justify a guy that was thought super highly regarded coming out of high school uh, it's there's no evidence of it in the tape at Stanford. There, there are some extenuating <laughs> circumstances there. I mean, I'm talking yeah. no evidence. I mean, yeah. even even Brandon Boston, I could put I could cobble together at least a little bit of a highlight tape for him. Uh, you you yeah. can't really do it with Zaire Williams. Sharif Cooper has the strangest. It, it it's got to be a typo, right? Six three and a half in socks, almost six five in shoes. Is there some optical illusion going on with Sharif Cooper, or is this a typo, right? Because he, I think everybody I think thought he was going to measure like six. Typo there. I don't, I, I don't think either that or he showed up in lifts, right? Well, no, that in his socks was six three, uh, six three point five. So maybe he wore like forty three pairs of socks. Maybe it's the hair. Um, it, 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 <laughs> right. it, it could be. Uh, uh, that was an interesting one. Uh, Max Asmus, five ten. Tests terribly yeah. in the athletic portion of the combine. I mean, tests like a center, uh, not like a yeah. not like a guard. Does this sort of end yeah. the Max Asmus as a first round uh, prospect? Yeah, I I never understood that to begin with. So yeah, I I I think so. I think you know you you could almost like if you were going to talk yourself into him, it was as like sort of a Lou Williams type, but he's smaller than Lou. He's less athletic. Like that, I. I just don't don't really see it for him. I, I wonder if he's going to end up going back now. Actually, uh, that yeah. Th- though you wonder go, what does going back do for him? It certainly doesn't do anything for his draft stock. I mean, you're not going to top the year that he had there, and so maybe it's just the fun of playing college basketball. But maybe you know he goes goes and plays pro somewhere else. Uh, let's talk athletic testing. Keon Johnson, we already talked about insane. Jericho Sims, 45, 44.5. That's also a, that's just one inch off the, the record as well. I know he's been a little bit impressive just in drills and things as well. Uh, obviously a terrific athlete. I, any chance for Jericho Sims? I think somebody's going to take him in the second round. I, I really do. I, you go back and watch, even when Mo Bamba was there and he was Bamba's backup, they played well with Sims on the court. Like he just... He just did stuff as a role player, defender, whatever. Um, you know, they, there's 
there's no like huge upside here. I don't think like there's just not much offensive skill, but he can do the things you need a backup five to do. And I think somebody takes him in the second round. Jaden Springer has a pretty good uh, uh, vertical jump, 39 and, and a half, uh, and then and then a nice 34.5, uh, uh, just a standing vertical leap. Uh, he he wasn't really sort of known as an athlete. I mean, I don't think that was some yeah. big time athlete. Does this change yeah. anything for him? Probably helps him a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think so because I, I think people worried about him like being so dependent on on pull ups. Can he get those pull ups off at six four against NBA defense? If you're saying okay, he's jumping thirty five inches while he does it, then then you can talk yourself into that a little more. You have a. Uh... Did Springer make your 20? Uh, he made it. He was right. He was right, number 20. Right 20. Yes. Right at the end. Yeah. I really liked his defense when I went back on the tape. So even with the questions about his offense, I was like, okay, you know, he'll do something. Okay. Let's uh, on the, on the worst vertical leaps. I don't think there's any real surprises here. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, we knew wasn't going to be a great athlete. Uh, Raquan Gray, not really. Luca Garza, Terrible numbers, but if you were watching, paying attention at all at Iowa, you understand now yeah. partly why um, he may not make uh, the first round um, at all. Um, just going through the list here and and looking at anything else, um, you know, look, uh, Scotty Lewis, one of the best athletes in this draft. He 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 shines everywhere. Any chance Scotty Lewis gets drafted? I'm not really expecting. I mean, after here's the thing: between 45 and 60. Literally anything can happen. So I, I, I can't, I can't rule that out. I mean, he didn't have a good year at Florida, but he's a, you know, he's a good defender. Maybe you can talk yourself into being able to develop him at the offensive end. And then you end up with a player. So I, it wouldn't completely shock me if he got picked. Joe Weiskamp out of Iowa, um, actually test really well athletic and he can, he can stroke the basketball. Uh, yeah, that's going to help. I think that, I think that's going to really help him get into the second round. All right, John, that's that's pretty much everything that we can say about the, you know, the shuttle run. Interestingly, some big guys end up doing well here. Greg, Greg Brown, Scotty Barnes, Corey Kispert um, does really well in the shuttle run. You said the three quarter sprint is the is probably the most telling, but no huge standards there other than Dyson Nix, who, who is slimmed down. Uh, and that was yeah. a big knock on him coming out of the G League is that he needs to get in much better shape. Uh, what do you think about Knicks now as, as a better athlete? I, I know shooting the basketball is the other major thing for him. Uh, I'm hoping he plays in the on-court stuff today because I think that's going to be a big deal for him, that people are going to want to see how how he looks on the court, uh, slim down, if he can do more things as a result of that. Look, you've been there all weekend. You also went to the G League event uh, right before the combine and saw some of the other prospects that are much more bubble second round prospects as well. Anybody else that you want to point out that's really stood out to you over the last four days? I know, I know, we're getting onto the five on five stuff now, but anybody else that's kind of stood yeah. out to you? I thought AJ Lawson from South Carolina. I thought his athleticism really popped in that G League elite camp, and uh, I thought he he really to me, like based off of that elite camp, I think he got himself into the second round. And there were executives in the seats when those games were happening too. So I think he's a guy who who helped himself the most there. Aaron Wiggins played well, but people know who he was already more, I think, and were more familiar with him. Uh, 
Dwayne Washington from Ohio State. I don't know if he ends up staying in the draft or not, but he's had a good couple of days. All right, there's uh, the take from John Hollinger in the Combine. Uh, John, really appreciate all your insights as well. Make sure you go check him out at The Athletic. Uh, make sure you also go over to NBA Big Board where we're going to have mock draft stuff. We're going to have analysis of the athletic testing coming out uh, on Thursday. Lots of great stuff going forward. John, as always, a pleasure. Let's go watch those five-on-five games to watch those bubble first-rounders uh, fight to the death uh, to try to get into the first round. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. All right, Chad. I right, take care. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.